You're listening to the Career Planning and Development Podcast. This is episode four, Resumes and Creating a Narrative. My name is Noah, and I'm a career development faculty member at Thompson Rivers University. I record this podcast in Tecumlupstation Quetmuch within Shikwetmuchulu. This week, we're talking about resumes. But before we get into any of the content this week, I want you to think about what your resume is intended to do. Who does it talk to? What does it convey? A resume is a persuasive document and it creates a narrative about you, whether you want it to or not. So this week, we're going to talk about the rhetoric of resumes, resumes as a narrative tool. Of course, we're going to discuss resume structure, and as part of that, we're going to briefly touch on applicant tracking systems, and then we're going to close out with a discussion of resume content. So when I say application documents in this episode, it's a broad term that encompasses things like resumes, cover letters, references, and even portfolios. Basically, anything that you're submitting that you have created as part of an application for a job. When you're creating job applications, you need to think about what you bring, you need to think about what they want, and you need to think about how to say it. In previous episodes, we've touched on those first two, and today we're talking about that third one. So let's talk rhetoric. Now, if this sounds like a college English class, you're not wrong. Resumes are persuasive writing, and every time we have persuasive writing, we get to use rhetoric. And I'm really excited about that. So that means we need to focus in on three things before we begin. Genre, and we'll talk about conventions as part of that, audience, and purpose. So what is genre? Well, a genre is a category of So, for example, a category of books is a romance novel. Now, if you're reading a romance novel and you've got two characters and you've been switching back and forth between them for a chapter or two and they hate each other, well, we know that at the end of the book, those two characters are going to wind up together because it's a romance novel. And if they don't wind up together, well, then it's not a romance novel because that's one of the conventions. We see the same thing in all sorts of genres. In superhero movies, there's things we're expecting to happen. In spy movies, there's things that we're expecting to happen. In types of music, there's ways of the music happening that we expect to hear. Similarly, in resumes, they are a specific genre of business writing. And that means they've got certain conventions, those things that make them a genre. So they've got a layout and a structure. They've got things that are included. They've got things that are excluded. Now, the other thing to know about this before we move on is that this isn't about getting a job. This is about getting in the front door because the audience for the resume is the hiring manager. It's not your potential boss, although your hiring manager might be your potential boss. It's the specific person who's making the decision about who is coming in for an interview. And that's the whole point here for the resume. That's the purpose. It's to get you to that interview. It introduces you to the prospective employer. It provides a snapshot of your experiences and abilities and skills. And it creates enough interest for a prospective employer to invite you into an interview. So we've got a purpose and an audience and we have a genre. 
And if we have a genre, it must have conventions. Conventions are what make a resume effective. And those conventions will depend on things like the industry you're in, or the sector you're in, or the country you're in, or the language you write your resume in, or the region you're in, because some regions use unified resume conventions. In some regions, they use the word CV to mean what I'm talking about as a resume. And in other regions, they'll use CV specifically to talk about an academic or research resume, which has very different conventions from a resume for applying for anything else. Whereas in other countries, they're interchangeable. So today is about the general conventions in Canada, and there are going to be some changes away from it in your context, so remember that. Now, the why behind these conventions is that they all make it easy to read at a glance. And they put the most relevant information at the top, the skills that are in it always talk about the job posting, they tell the employer what the employer needs to know in the first half, and the focus remains on the results and the impact, the qualifying and quantifying of your experience. So that is the background. Now we're going to talk briefly about resumes as a narrative tool. Because when you're building a narrative, you need to understand yourself. You need to be able to explain yourself to someone else in a way that aligns with what they're wanting to hear about. So that means that you need to have done some self-assessment and you need to begin creating your future story. You need to know what goals you have that align with that future story. And you need to make sure that that future story for yourself aligns with the kinds of things and the kinds of roles you're applying for. Now to create that, you need to have a pretty good idea of where you've been and where you are now, but also you need to have a general idea of where you're going. And you're going to include things in this story about your experience and your skills and your accomplishments and your goals and directions. You'll want to know about what you're best at, what you excel at, where you add value, because these are the things that are going to come together to create a narrative. And you're going to use that narrative as a way of writing your resume so that when somebody reads it from top to bottom, by the end of it, they'll have an idea of who you are but also it'll bring them along a journey. And it's a journey from your present into your past. When people read something, they create in their mind an idea of the person who wrote it. And so when you're writing a resume, you need to be aware that the person who is reading your resume will be building that idea of who you are in their head. And you need to make sure that that person in their mind lines up with who you are and also lines up with the kind of person they're looking to hire. So in order to get there, you need to have some goals, you need to have career goals, of course, but you also need to know sort of where you're going outside of your career, what you're interested in doing. Now, you can create this in a lot of different ways. Some people like creating micro stories about where, what they'd like to be doing. Um, usually I recommend that people use eight years for that, uh, so eight years in the future. Or you might create a story about, this is where I was three years ago, from there I got to here by doing X, and from here I intend to go there by doing Y. So this all comes together by figuring out what the future story is gonna be, what the requirements are of that story, 
the short and long-term goals. And once you've got that idea, then you start looking at, okay, I've got my narrative. I know the kind of person I want to tell other people I am. And that's what the resume is going to do. The resume is going to tell somebody who you are right now because you're writing it from a perspective of I'm going to there. And so the kind of person I need to be to get there is this kind of person. And so I'm going to write about myself as that kind of person that I feel that I am. Once you have an idea of who you are, of what that narrative that you want to tell is, then you can start building that resume. And you'll hear as I talk about the resume structure, how a lot of these lend themselves very well to figuring out the kind of narrative you're telling, the kind of things you're talking about. Because everything that we talk about in this resume structure is about getting someone to understand who you are in the context of the job that you're applying for. So let's get into those resume components now. There's four key things. The most important one, oddly enough, is contact information. If they can't get in touch with you, then it's useless. Another part is the summary of qualifications. Uh, some people will have called the skills or summary. This is replacing the profile section on a lot of resumes. And it's especially important as professional resumes move into the two-page resume format, because that way the employer can very quickly get a snapshot of what they're about to read before they get into it. It's also really important for narrative creation, because that is going to be where you talk about who you are to prepare them so that when they read the rest of the resume, they'll be scaffolded into understanding what kind of person this is in this resume then it's going to include education and it's going to include work experience. You can include a lot of other sections as well, things like a community or volunteer involvement or maybe campus activities if you were heavily involved in university or other achievements or even publications. So contact information. Easy to read. Address is usually optional, but the city has to be there. The email has to be there. Uh, the phone number has to be there. This is because nobody's really gonna mail you anything. They're gonna email you. After that, you're gonna have a summary section. Now, this is going to list the four to seven top things that you offer. They're directly connected into the job posting. They use some key terms from the job posting. You're not gonna have like two word things such as hard worker or excellent at teamwork or anything like that. You're gonna use examples. So it'll say things like, five years of experience in industrial settings on various projects, or excellent understanding of maintenance and installation and repair of electrical systems, or third year bachelor's of business administration student majoring in accounting, or excellent at collaborating with others to efficiently meet the demands of the job. So we're explaining things in a way that when the employer reads it, they'll have an idea of who you are and an idea of what's gonna be coming up in the resume. This is especially important for anybody where the things that are going to be listed first on the resume may not be as connected to the job posting that you're applying for as some things further on, and it'll keep their interest as they read through the resume. Another way of doing the summary is to have a professional summary that has like an overall statement. So that's like a one sentence purpose statement, then a summary of your education, 
a one-sentence summary of your work experience, uh, three quick skill statements about transferable skills, and then one quick statement about some of the core technical skills that are required in that job. Then you're going to go into education. Now, whether you put education first or work experience first depends on which one you have more of regarding the job you're applying for. If you have more work experience in the role you're applying for, then work experience goes first. But if you have more education than work experience, education goes first. Again, you're going to focus on what's called for in the job posting. Normally, I recommend that if you've got at least a year of post-secondary education, you don't need to include high school on there anymore. You're going to give dates where needed. If it's something you're currently in, you'll definitely need a start date. If it's something you've completed, you can just have the end date. That's okay. You're not going to list expired certifications, but you are going to include things like the full name of the program. You're going to include things like the name of the school, not using acronyms. You're going to include the location, and especially you're going to include any required certifications for the job that you have. Then we're going to go into work history. Now, this is listed in what's called reverse chronological order. That means that the most recent jobs go first. You're going to give the job title, the official job title. You're going to give them the information about the organization you were working for and the city that it's in and either the province or country. You're going to give the month and year for when you worked there. And you're going to explain your duties and special projects. These are done through accomplishment statements, and we're going to talk about those in a little bit more. And this is all about showing why you are impactful. Now, some people will have more relevant experience that was a while ago. In that case, you can have something called a relevant work experience section before the work experience section, and that allows you to pull a few key things out of the work experience and put it up first. Regardless, though, you always need to be talking about why you being there was important and about how that job and the skills you learned there connect to what you're applying for. The other sections that you include, volunteer, community, awards, achievements, those all need to be relevant to the job you're applying for. And they're only included if you have space. Again, remember professional resumes normally these days are two pages. You don't want to go over that. But you need to make sure that the experience you have from work, from education, from volunteer experience, and from hobbies and life and interests all are connected there in the resume. Anything you've got that connects to the job you're applying for needs to be included. Were you on a sports team for a number of years? That could show leadership, it could show teamwork. Are you, some, are you applying for a technical role and you do that in your spare time? Uh, I work with a lot of people in trades where they, one of their hobbies might be working on cars and they're wanting to work on uh, large vehicle maintenance. Well, that's a hobby that you should include because it shows that this is something you enjoy outside of work and because of that, you might have a deeper understanding of some of the things than just from your education. I want to close off the sections here by talking about references. Not all fields and industries are looking for this on the resume. If they ask for it on the job posting, you need to include it. If you've got some space, you might as well include it. And if they're connected in some way to the hiring manager, you should include it. But other than that, it doesn't really need to be there. 
Most people say just put uh, references available upon request at the bottom of the resume, or you can just exclude it altogether if you've run out of space. But you need to include in references, if you are adding them, the name of them, their title, their organization, and why they're connected to you. So maybe they were a supervisor, or maybe they were in some way connecting uh, to the work that you were doing. Regardless, the employer needs to know why they're being given this person's name. And of course, they need the good contact information for them. Also, make sure you've contacted them ahead of time and ask them to be a positive reference. So that's really it. Um, you need to make sure that you're using specific achievements and transferable skills on your resume, that you've proofread it, that you're talking about the quantity and quality. Um, we're not worrying about one page rule. Uh, we're not saying additional words like responsibilities or duties included. We're not being negative about ourselves or minimizing things. This is your brag time. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on design. That being said, there's some things we're going to avoid on the design. And I'm sorry, but this is probably going to impact those who used an online resume builder or Canva um, more than people who have built their resumes in Word. You're not going to have headers. You're not going to have footers or tables or columns or pictures, and especially not text boxes. Those six things are all things that if you're applying for a job online and you're uploading your resume into something online, they have a difficult time with them. Text boxes, for example, are completely not read by most of the bottom tier of applicant tracking systems. And that gives us a great opportunity to talk about applicant tracking systems because a lot of the reason for all of those what to avoid things is because applicant tracking systems aren't built for them. Generally, when you're applying for a job, these days, you're normally applying with an online application where you upload your resume into a portal. That's an applicant tracking system. Other ways are things like the general emailed application where they put an email address that everybody emails their resume to, or a specific one if you're lucky where you've been, somebody's reached out to you and asked you to send a resume in. Occasionally you'll still do paper applications. It's pretty rare outside of food services and retail though. So applicant tracking systems. Basically what an ATS is, is it is a way of helping the HR professionals in the organization to deal with a large volume of applicants or a large volume of job postings. And pretty well any company with over 500 people probably uses one of these. What they do is they parse out information from your resume and depending on the level of ATS it is, it might use an algorithm to compare it to what the employer wants. At its very basic, it's pulling your name and address and contact information. At the more advanced level, it might be pulling things like how well written the resume is, uh, errors in the resume, how much experience in specific kinds of skills, how much total work experience, how long were you with each employer. So it's not there to directly reject applicants. But if it can't read it, it is a little bit more likely that a recruiter will reject the resume. So because of that, you want to keep that formatting simple. You want to avoid things like text boxes. You don't want to use tables or graphics or headers. And you're going to make sure to spell out abbreviated terms at least the first time you use them. So it's not CRM, it's customer relationship management software. So let's put all of this together now. The way that we build a resume is first we brainstorm our previous experience. Uh, we identify the specific skills and knowledge that we have. 
we pick out which sections we want to have in our resume, and then we write our achievement statements and we target and revise the resume as needed. Some people call them achievement statements, some people call them accomplishment statements, and you'll find that I jump back and forth between them because I actually don't care which one we use. Basically what we're doing is we're moving from something like operated cash to something that actually tells the employer what happened. It might be managed daily cash receipts of 2,500 and accurately balanced a cash register. It gives us a bit more information. We didn't just install security systems, we installed and maintained intensive security systems in an industrial agricultural complex, because that's different from home security system installations. And the employer needs to know that, because that tells them something about the kind of experience that you have. If you tell an employer that you clean tables to ensure fast service, the employer thinks, oh well, you're great at cleaning tables. Wonderful. But that's not what we're hiring for. On the other hand, if you tell the employer that you collaborated with a service team to ensure quick turnover of customers by clearing tables quickly, we find out, oh, you're a good team player, this role works as a team, maybe this is something that transfers over into my job that, I've, that I'm trying to hire for. So once you've moved away from listing duties and into talking about the actual skills and why that connects to the job you're applying for, that means you're able to then start talking about things in a way that the employer will understand your narrative. You didn't recruit staff. You managed recruitment for three retail staff members from screening of applications and conducting interviews through final candidate selection. You didn't just answer the phone. You showed exceptional multitasking through management of a five-line phone system, greeting walk-in customers, and ensuring an excellent first impression. There's a lot of techniques for building these statements. Uh, situation, task, action, result, or STAR is really popular. Also common is something called challenge, actions, result, or result, action, situation. But regardless of what format you use, and we'll talk a little bit more about them, it's about your impact in those roles. So what we're wanting to talk about is specifics. We want to give quality and quantity. So we're avoiding anything that's vague. We're not saying team player, customer service, highly motivated. We're saying things like contributed as a team player, taking initiative to complete tasks before closing, ensuring a smooth opening for the next shift of employees. We're being specific and we're talking about what we did, how we did it, why we did it, and how well we did it. So you can figure that out by starting from an action or a skill, then saying how you did it, why you did it, and how well you did it. For example, we might start with worked in a team and change that over to collaborated with team members. Great, how you did it by effectively delegating workload. To best use individual strengths and maximize efficiency would be why and how well that resulted in project completion one week early. And this all comes together to create our accomplishment statement. Collaborated on project to XYZ, delegating workload as needed to use individual strengths and maximize efficiency, resulting in project completion one week early. Now there's a lot of different options for this. Uh, like I said, the star is really popular. People also will start from things like using an action word, who, what, where, when, why, how, and the result. But you can look up all of those yourself. Um, basically, as long as you're getting across the impact of what you were doing in the role, it's enough. Finally, the resume targeting. When you're doing this, you need to be updating at least the summary. 
you need to be using the same kind of terms that they use in their job posting in your resume. And that's because what you're trying to do is align how you talk about things with how they talk about things. So for example, if it says in the job posting, prepare and complete working papers and financial statements, you might use the phrase developed various financial statements. Or if they say display strong communication skills, you might say proficient at communicating with others and maintaining positive relationships. To sum up what we talked about today, resumes. We talked today about rhetoric and resumes, that there's a point to the resume, that the resume it has a genre and conventions that you need to follow, and that it's being directed at someone. And part of that means that you need to build a narrative. You need to know what the resume is saying about you. Then we talked about the structure of resumes, a little bit about content and accomplishment statements. So what I want you to ask yourself about your resume this week is, does your resume tell a story? What kind of story is it telling? And the second thing I want you to ask yourself is, can someone who doesn't know me understand what I'm trying to say? Thanks for listening. This has been Noah Arney with the Career Planning and Development Podcast. For more information or to contact me, go to careertheory.trubox.ca. This podcast is hosted by Thompson Rivers University and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. Music for this podcast is A Life I Believe by John Worthy and the Benz. Until next time, I wish you well.